chapter 5. That's where we're going to start this morning. Um, And appreciate Pastor Alvin's message last night. He brought it, amen? And in fact, I thought he was going to preach my message for me, but he got right on the doorstep of it and stopped. So we're just going to take over where he left off. Amen. We got a, uh, I feel like God gave me uh, a word for you this morning. But uh, as I was saying, praise and worship's done a lot for me in my life because, um, let's see, this is uh, 2017. In October, it will have been three years since uh, my baby girl was born. Uh, she was stillborn. I wasn't going to cry. I actually didn't know I was going to tell you this story. Um, but during that time, it was probably the darkest time of my life, because since I was a little guy, younger than most of you, I knew the main thing I wanted to be in life was a dad. <laughs> I don't know why, just like the thing in me, some people, they want to be a police officer, they want to be a fireman, I want to be a dad, you know, that's just, I don't know why, that's just something I wanted to be, and now that I am one, I, I know why, because it's the best thing ever, it's like the, it's the greatest thing, I mean, there's no better job than being a dad, and so, um, Anyway, I was really excited, obviously, about my daughter getting here, and uh, she was stillborn, and the devil got in, and, and um, we're not going to get in, I'm not going to talk about how he got in, because it really, the fact is, it's never going to happen again, <laughs> amen, I know that, we've shut that door, um, but uh, he did, and I, so we went through a pretty dark period, and actually, you know, as a husband, I, I was at the point where I'm going to be strong for my wife, because, you know, she needs me right now, I'm going to be strong for her, we're going to get her on the other side of this, and so I did that, I put all of my energy, all of my focus, all of my prayer time, everything was going into her, I'm getting her on the other side of this, and let me tell you, my wife is awesome, uh, she, she taught me a lot during that time, because she's just such a strong person, um, but anyway, one night, I realized I'd gotten her on the other side of it, but I'd never really gotten me on the other side of it, I'd just been strong for her. And so I get her on the other side of it, and then I start doing some self-examination. And I realize, yeah, I got her through it, but I didn't get me through it. And so all of those emotions started coming. And she can tell you, like, she would cry almost every day, just a little bit. And I would go a few days not cry at all, and then I would just have a complete <laughs> meltdown, ugly cry. I'm not even kidding. Really bad. And so um, once I realize I need to work on me, I'm starting to do that. You know, obviously I'm praying about it. I'm in the Word. I'm trying to focus on getting me healed and getting me past all that. And um, one night I'm sitting on the couch and I'm, I'm, a, late, I'm a night owl. I, I do not like mornings at all. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Yeah, I don't love mornings, but I can stay up all night with the best of you. You know, I, I, nights are, that's my thing. So Tiffany had already gone to bed and, and I'm sitting on the couch and Actually, I think I, maybe I was watching Brother Copeland or somebody. I mean, I had, I had preaching on, is all I remember, on TV. And I'm sitting there on the couch. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me said, you need to get up and dance. I'm by myself in my living room, sitting on my couch. Nobody there but me. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of me says, you need to get up and dance. And I was like, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> no, thanks. So I sit there for a minute longer. And then a little bit later, the Holy Spirit again says, no, you need to get up and dance. That ain't happening. So we sit there a little bit longer. I go get me some Cheetos, you know. That's what you do at night, right? Get some Cheetos. Okay, so I get my Cheetos. I'm sitting over there, and he goes, put the Cheetos down and dance. See, the Holy Ghost may not talk to y'all like that, but he tells me pretty straight. So he says, put the Cheetos down and dance. 
Apparently, God knows I love Cheetos. He's sitting there watching me, I guess. So he says, put the Cheetos down and dance. So I said, all right, I'm going to dance. And I get up, and I, I'm not even going to, I'm not demonstrating, because I am the worst dancer in the, in the history of dancers. So I get up, and I begin to dance. And it looks crazy foolish, and I feel crazy foolish. But about two, three minutes into my crazy foolish dancing, the power of God hit me. And I danced <laughs> like a crazy person. Solid. I mean, I didn't have to do workout. Well, I don't work out anyway. But if I had, if I did work out, if I did work out, I wouldn't have to done it for like two weeks because I worked out so hard right then, dancing with all of my might. And I want to tell you something. When I went to bed that night, I was completely and totally delivered. And God set me free because He said He gives us a spirit of praise, right? You might get that heaviness on you, but the heaviness comes off because of the praise. And so as I begin to praise God and dance right there by myself in my living room, I mean, I about tore a hole in the rug, guys. I mean, I was, I was dancing, tearing it up. And as I was dancing, the, the power of God came on me, and he, he worked on the, from the inside out. Isn't that awesome how he does that? He just worked on me from the inside out and completely set me free. So I'm here to tell you this morning, praise and worship will change you. Amen. I know it from experience. If you're not in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 by now, you're going to have to look off your neighbor. Because there's no hope for you getting there by now. All right. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that it's forever settled in heaven. We thank you for the privilege we have to be here at summer camp. Thank you for the privilege we have to hear your word and to be changed by it. Father, we thank you for all of us. We have ears to hear this morning. We have eyes to see, our minds are alert, and our hearts are receptive to you, to your Holy Spirit, and to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. All that was free. My message this morning is be the evidence. Be the evidence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to jump in together in verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. No more selfish people. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be a new creature this morning? Amen. Aren't you glad we had some uh, brothers, and I think it was just brothers, last night gave their hearts to Jesus and became new creatures with us? Praise God. Yeah, you ought to worship God for that. Amen. Praise God. 
You know, the angels are, are rejoicing. Amen. We can rejoice too. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we have some new creatures in the house. Amen. It says, if anyone, anyone's in Christ, that means it doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter which country on the planet, doesn't matter where you are. He says, anyone, if you get in Christ, suddenly, new creation. Praise God. And I love this because it's not just one thing. It's one thing to become a new creature. But it's another thing. He says, the old stuff has passed away. It's died. Amen. In fact, it says it died when Jesus died. Let that sink in a minute because God looks at you as a new creation and he sees all the old you, all the old stuff dead when Christ died. He sees you raised to new life when Jesus was raised to new life. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Amen. God loves you and he's for you. Amen. And he sees a new creature. So your past is gone. All the failure is gone. All the bad habits you may have been caught up in are gone. You're a brand new... Actually, the, the, let me read this to you in the Amplified. And I like the Amplified Bible because it just brings things out, bring, makes things more clear. I will let you know, I, I don't know if many of y'all know this though, but... All of the translators of the Amplified Bible were women. And the reason I know that is because they're like twice as many words as every other translation. <laughs> and uh, we guys can just get to the point, but you ladies like to tell all the details. Right? Okay. That's a joke. They're really, I, there may be some women, I don't know, but they're not all, I don't think. All right. So in the Amplified, it's really good. It says this, verse 17, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Hallelujah. Fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them, and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. Isn't that good? So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives, get that, we as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. For our sake he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Isn't that good? My favorite part, though, is that we're Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us, Christ's personal representatives. You know, we have ambassadors that go all over the world for our country. And we, we actually send an ambassador for every country, little country, big country. They all have an ambassador from the United States usually that goes, um, with very few exceptions. And when they go, those ambassadors go overseas, they're there on behalf of the U.S. government. And so they have the full force of the U.S. government behind them. They have all of the military of the U.S. government behind them. 
they have the, and sometimes they're sent by the president, the president will say, go and tell them this. And so they go and deliver a message, and it's not just coming from the ambassador to that country, it's coming from the president himself. Amen? And you have to see yourself as an ambassador. Yes, you may be here, and uh, yes, you may think, well, I have only live in New Albany, or I only live in Louisville, or I only live in Columbia, Kentucky, the greatest city on the planet. Praise. Hey, come on, guys, you should have cheered better than Okay, thank you. It doesn't matter where you're from, but Jesus is sending you as his personal representative. Amen? And he's got a word for those people around them that he expects you to deliver. The people around you. Amen? And so he's expecting you to go as his personal representative. I love this because it tells us who we are. It tells us who we are. See, too many... We have in the world, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world has a, an identity crisis at the moment. <laughs> they have an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. You know, you got middle-aged people, they go, go crazy and they, you know, go buy, you know, grow their hair out and their beard out and they're going to get them a, you know, a hot rod Corvette, <laughs> and, you know, and, and then they, so they kind of lose it. They need, they're going through their whole phase of trying to find themselves, find myself, you know, that's the word now. And then you've got, um, I don't know, you got people who, let's, you got Bruce Jenner thinks he's a woman now. And call me Caitlin. No, I'll call you Bruce because that's your name. That don't make me a bigot. That don't make me hateful. That just means, that's just what the Bible says. You and I don't get to choose what you were born. You are what you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Sorry if that makes some of you mad. It's the truth anyhow. But the world has an identity crisis. Uh, and so, you know, you've got uh, men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men. You've got, I don't remember if you remember this, but a couple of years ago there was a lady out on the, uh, west coast and she was the head of like the local chapter of the NAACP and she was the whitest white girl ever like her parents are very white and she's very white but now she says I identify as African-American well you know what let me tell you something guys I'm today I'm letting everybody know I identify as a 25 year old billionaire six foot eight yeah call me Bond James Bond no, we don't just get to do that. No, but we can do this. We can get in the Word and find out who God says we are. Amen? And we don't have necessarily an identity crisis in the church. What we've had in the church is identity theft. Because we've let the devil talk us out of who we are. We've let the devil tell us that, oh, well, you know, all that salvation stuff, that's the end of it. We'll let you get saved, but then that's where it all ends. All the supernatural stuff is passed away. You know, all that, all that died with the last apostle. Or, or we, you know, we just need to suffer through till we get to heaven. And the sleep by and by, then we'll get all we got there, you know. So the, the devil has tried to steal from us our identity of who we are in Christ. And the only way you can keep that or get that back is to get in the Word and find out who God says you are. Amen. He tries to, the devil tried to convince you that um, you are what you do. Listen, you're... Your who doesn't follow your do. My pastor says this, and it's one of my favorite lines. Your who doesn't follow your do. Your do has to follow your who. Let me say that again for you. took me a little while to get it, but it's really good. Your who doesn't follow your do. In other words, you're not, who, you're not what you do, necessarily. But your do should follow your who. So because now I'm in, I'm not in Christ because I'm good, but because I'm in Christ, suddenly the good works come. Can you get that? Amen. And so 
He'll try, the devil will try to convince you that you are what you do. He'll try to convince you that you are all of your past mistakes. Anybody ever had your past mistakes brought up to you? Of course, we all, hey, listen, if you don't raise your hand, like somebody said, we're going to have to have an altar call for liars, right? Because all of us have had the devil bring up our past to us. He'll tell you that you're terrible. Or how about this? The terrible thing that happened to you defines you. So suddenly now, I'm always the victim because some bad thing happened to me. Listen, it doesn't make you special because some bad thing happened to you. Some bad thing has happened to almost all of us. Nobody has an ideal, you know, leave it to beaver life. Y'all probably don't even know who leave it to beaver is. But if you ever watched, back when TV land used to be like the old stuff, I watched it then. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't around for the original. I'm not that old. But anyway, <laughs> y'all, don't, y'all really don't know who leave it to beaver is, do you? Y'all looking at me like a cow at a new gate. That's a Kentucky term. But he'll try to convince you that this terrible thing that happened to you now defines your whole life. Because somebody touched me inappropriately when I was little, now suddenly I'm a victim the rest of my life. Because my parents told me I wasn't worth anything, now suddenly I'm a victim the rest of my life. No, listen, your past is in your past. And now you are now a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. That means you start fresh. No longer a victim, but now you're a victor. Amen. You're in Christ Jesus. And your victory is his victory. Or his victory is your victory, I should say. Praise God. Listen, you are who the Father says you are. You are who the Bible says you are. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So the past is gone. All the good has come, all the new has come, we're ambassadors, we're called to this ministry of reconciliation, being Christ's hands and feet, as it were, to the world, and um, so, I don't know, anybody ever see the Mission Impossible, yeah, you know, that one little line they always say is, your mission, should you choose to accept it, you know, and this tape will explode in five seconds, or whatever it is, well, nothing's going to explode on you today, but you do have a mission, should you choose to accept it, amen, and that mission is to be Christ's ambassador, his personal representative, amen, and bringing the world into reconciliation. You have to be the evidence, be the evidence. One way, one thing that I like to read, go back with me to Ephesians um, chapter 2. See, I wasn't raised spirit-filled, I was raised Methodist, and um so those of you that have never known anything other than, you know, the, our, the churches that we all attend now or just, you know, camp like this, if this is all you've ever known, you don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> Some of us had to get through a lot of nonsense for to get here, amen? And so I was born and I was raised in the Methodist church, and um, luckily I wasn't taught that, you know, all of the supernatural had passed or necessarily passed away. I was taught it's still real and it's still for today, but it may not be for everybody. And that's a step better than it's all gone. <laughs> Amen. So at least I wasn't completely shut down to it. And um, so then when I was probably 15-ish, 16, my mom, uh, she went every day and cleaned the church. So it was just like her thing she did. So she went and cleaned the church every day. And one day she's cleaning all, all by herself. One day she's cleaning the church, and when she would get done, she would have prayer time. And uh, so she's at the altar praying by herself, just got done cleaning the church. And um, she begins to speak in tongues by herself at the altar of a Methodist church. 
Of course, she had been seeking God. God, if this is real and this is you, I want more and all this kind of thing. And so uh, it didn't kind of just happen by accident, I guess. She's seeking it. But yet she's by herself in a Methodist church, and she starts speaking in tongues. So when that happens, obviously my entire life changed, our entire family changed. We end up going to, they started going to an Assembly of God church, and I thought they were crazy, so I didn't follow them for a while because, uh, like, y'all are crazy. Y'all done lost it. You know, y'all go ahead. I'll be there. Never. Um, so I wasn't following them. I was just going to keep doing my thing. And then, I, of course, my mom, she's really good at constantly reminding me of things, as all women are. That's why we need you. To remind us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen from that back corner where my wife's sitting. <laughs> we do need you. That's, you. You help us. Praise God. But um, So my mom keeps reminding me, oh, you need to come to church. Oh, we're having this at church. Oh, you need to come with me. Come on, go to church with me. So I go to church with my mom, and I start hearing people speaking in tongues around me and stuff. And actually, it didn't freak me out. That's what I understand when people say, Oh, I went to church, and they spoke in tongues, or they fell down, and that really freaked me out. I've seen crazier things at basketball games, you know? I've, I went to a football game a couple seasons ago, and the lady beside me got so drunk that she fell down in the thing, and they had to bring, like, six EMT guys, because she's a big lady, to carry her out. You know, I've seen way crazier stuff outside of church, so I don't know. Anyway, it didn't really freak me out, but, so I'm, but it gets me interested. It gets me curious. And so I'm, um, you know, I'm starting to get curious, and I hear these people talking about, oh, God speaks to me. I'm like, how does that happen? You know, do this, like, call you on the phone? I mean, I, I don't know anything about this. So anyway, so I start seeking God, obviously, and I get spirit-filled when I'm 17, which is a long time to wait. Amen? That's, that's a long time to wait. I was, I was born again when I was eight at vacation Bible school. So from eight to 17, I'm trying to do this thing without any power from God. I'm doing it all by myself. And I'm not being real successful at it, if I'm being honest. Because I don't have, Pastor Alvin read it to us last night, the power to be his witnesses. That power comes. And so I didn't have that power working in my life until I'm 17 years old. And God completely then changed my life. And then I go to college and I meet my beautiful wife. And um, she, really, she really got me straightened out. Actually, we credit Pastor Cynthia <laughs> with a lot of, because I was still visiting a lot. I'm dating my wife. We're, you know, we're seeing each other. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. I'm at church with her. But on Sunday mornings, I'm still going to my denominational church trying to be, you know, I don't know what I was trying to be. And um, so we're at a meeting and Pastor Cynthia says, so do you go to Pastor Randy's church? And I said, well, ma'am, I, I visit regularly. And she said, boy, what's wrong with you? You need to get hooked up with your man of God. Like she tore into me. First time I ever met her, no joke. And uh, so I've loved her ever since. But it did, it did snap me out, and uh, I got hooked up. Amen. And I'm here, so praise God. But one of the things I heard early on when I started hearing the word is, um, is Brother um, Hagen saying to read the Ephesian prayer. For yourself every day, that is a really good one. And so I want to read that together this morning, because this will help you understand who you are uh, in Christ. In verse 15, Ephesians 1, 15 says this, Therefore I also, after, actually skip down to um, verse 18, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, this is what we're praying for, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, we're going to read more in just a second, but stop right there for a second, because notice he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Does anybody see an age requirement on that? Does anybody see a gender requirement on that? Does anybody see a economic, you know, you have to have so much money or you Anybody see anything about geography, where you live matters? No, it says that he gave him to be head over all things to the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, I don't know about you, but I, and maybe hopefully you didn't hear this, but I'm here to tell you it's not true today. But I grew up hearing this. You youth are the future of the church. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah. You're the future of the church. And someday you're going to have to step in and do what we do and take over for us. So right now, you're learning, and you're the future of the church. That's technically not true. There's not a senior church and a junior church. There's just the church. You're the church right now. And so if you're waiting for someday to decide to start doing what the adults are doing, you're waiting too long. Because the power is in you right now to do the works of the church. In fact, he's expecting you to do the works of the church. He's expecting you right now to be his personal representative in the planet. Amen? So you're not the future of the church, you're the present of the church. You are the future of the church, but you're also the right now of the church. And so we have to get on this thing, amen, and get to doing it. Praise God. You're the church. We've got to stop waiting for adults to do everything. Amen? I'm, I'm happy to say that our youth do a lot in our church. They're very active in our church. They serve in different roles. And, um, and all churches, I think all churches should do that. Obviously, listen, obviously, I know more at 35 than I knew at your age. And they know more at, they're slightly few more years, not very many, because they're not very much older than. All of these ladies in their mid-30s back here <laughs> know more than we know. So there is some wisdom that comes. Amen. You learn some things over the years. But praise God, you can do the things right now. Let's, um, actually, let's just go to Romans 12. I was going to read some more there, but we're going to skip on to Romans 12. I have no clue how long I've been up here. Okay. I don't want to be too long-winded. Romans 12, verse 1. This is the way that you find out who you are in Christ, another way, and you, um, if you're going to do the works, you've got to know why you're doing them, and you've got to know that you have some power behind you when you do them. Amen? Because if you just go out to do them and you don't have any knowledge behind it, there'll be, you'll, have, you'll have some, actually the devil will try to talk you out of it. <laughs> That'll be the problem. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love these verses, and they're actually two of the verses that I um, first memorized. I drink a lot of water when I preach. I don't know why. I'm just a thirsty person. Um, so, but it, it tells us here that we present our bodies first because the real you is the spirit, right? We know that. The real you is the spirit, so that means the real you, the spirit you, presents your body to the Lord. And it says that's your reasonable service. You're not even doing anything special when you do that. That's just what's expected of you. Amen? To present your body to his service and not to your own gratification and not to the world to be used, but to him for his service as his personal representative, right? You present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. It's just your reasonable service. And he says this, do not be conformed. That word means in the Greek means patterned after. Patterned after. So I know absolutely nothing about sewing or knitting or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't put a pillow together for any... I mean, if somebody said, here's a gun, I'm going to kill you if you don't put a pillow together, I'm like, see you in heaven, Jesus, because I don't know nothing about any kind of sewing, okay? But I do know this because I grew up... My mom always tells me that her grandmother made all of their clothes from scratch. Like She would go buy the material, she would come home, and she would make all of their clothes. And so they had, like, literally every Sunday they had a new dress to wear to church. Every week they had new clothes to wear to school, like... You ladies would probably love that. And they were like off the shelf, awesome, really good stuff. Like she was a fantastic seamstress. But my mom said she would go and she would buy the pattern at the store. And so it's like a paper pattern and she would cut it out and then she would lay it on the, on the fabric and then trace it and then cut out the fabric and then sew it together according to the instructions. So he's telling us, by, by thinking of it in that terms, he's telling us don't conform or pattern yourself after the world's standard. And we do that without even meaning to. Because every day you're seeing the world standard on the television. Every day you're seeing the world standard on social media. Every day you're seeing the world standard at school. Uh, Wherever you go, you're seeing the standard that the world has put up for you. Right? And so every day you're constantly, little by little, being molded and conformed into the pattern of the world, whether you want to be or not. Because it's coming in through your eyes and it's coming in through your ears. Right? And every day the the devil's working on your mind trying to get you to conform to the pattern that he has placed in the world. And it tells us we're not to do that. Right? So if you're going to not be conformed to the world's pattern, you're going to have to on purpose not let that happen. It's not going to happen by accident. Right? And he tells us how to keep from doing that. He says, "Do, do not be conformed or pattern after this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind will transform you. Now, I love, this is one of my, because like I said, this is one of the first verses I ever memorized. So I went and like dug deep into this thing, and I've studied these two verses so much, I love them. But this second verse here specifically really just impacts me. It says, don't be conformed to this world, patterned after this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love this because that word transformed means to be, it's the same word that's used, okay, do you remember in, I think it's Matthew 17, if I'm not mistaken, we're not going to turn there, Matthew 17, 1 through 9, you can go back and read it later if you want to, but it tells about the transfiguration of Jesus, when they go up on, he takes uh, Peter, James, and John, they go up onto this high mountain, uh, and they're, uh, you know, alone, and, and Jesus is transfigured before them, and it says, the glory of God came on him, and he began to shine and glow, and uh, pretty much, it's just, 
It's an amazing story. You should read it sometime. But the glory of God shows up, and Jesus begins to glow in the dark, essentially. Right? The same word that's used in that transfiguring of Jesus is the same word that's used right here. To be transformed by renewing your mind. See, when we take the time to get in the Word and be transformed by the Word and have our minds renewed by the Word. See, that word renewed means to renovate. To renovate. And if you like the HGTV, those home shows where they go in, they flip a house. So then you need to flip your brain. Amen. Go in and take all the, the negative stuff out, the old stuff. Tear up that green 1970s shag carpet. Amen. Tear the wall out, put in some new flooring, put some paint on the walls, and renovate this thing and make it look like something acceptable. Amen. But he says when you do that, when you renovate your mind, he says you will be transformed, transfigured. In other words, the glory of God should be shining in your life. Everywhere you go, the light of God should be on you. And if it's not, it's because we haven't taken time to renovate our minds to let that transfiguration happen. Now, I'm not saying literally like you're going to, I mean, could be, could be. I mean, you could walk into a place and, and, and supernaturally the light just be shining on you and, and God do an awesome thing there. But typically, it's not going to be visible, but it should be expressible. And you should always have a smile on your face for one. Amen. Put a smile on. Show people that it's a good thing to be, you know, following Jesus. It's not a drudgery. Amen. It's not, I'm not doing this because I have to. Amen. But if we will renovate our mind, it says we'll be transformed or transfigured and let the glory of God be shining in our life more. Let's turn back to a few chapters here to Romans 8. We're going to close here in just a second. I wasn't kidding about that time thing, folks, if somebody can wave me down. <laughs> Romans 8, 18. getting some help today? Praise God. Because we're talking about being the evidence, be the evidence. Because the world needs to see it. And so if you're uh, operating as Christ's personal ambassador, his personal representative to your friends, to your family, amen, then they should be seeing Jesus. Actually, the word Christian means little Christ-like ones or little Jesus. (laughs) Amen? And so... We're, it's expected of us that we be uh, be the evidence for them. They need to see it. Amen. Uh, Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, there's the glory being revealed. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject, subjected in futility to futility, not willingly... But because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So see, creation, and Pastor Alvin read it to us last night, everything that's in this planet God created. It's all created through Jesus. Amen. It says nothing was made that wasn't made through him. So that means every person... Everything you see is all waiting for the sons of God to step up to the plate. They're all waiting. And ladies, that doesn't exclude you. Just because we say sons, 
It doesn't mean it excludes daughters. And actually, it's a better thing to be a son. In Jewish custom, let me drop this on you real quick. In Jewish custom, if you, were, you only got inheritance if you were the oldest son. So the first son gets the inheritance. Everybody else gets nothing. Right? And so the good thing about this is now we're all sons. Right? And we're not just sons that don't get anything, but we're all now considered joint heirs with Jesus, the firstborn. Right? So all that God has, all that inheritance is ours. Praise God. And it says that it expects us, he said, for all the creation is looking for us to just step up and be the sons. Step up into, and let the glory be in our lives and be the evidence. Amen? And um, we're going to close with this. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Pastor Alvin read it to you last night in Mark 16. These signs will follow the believer. Right? They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, why would you not do that? Think about it just a second. Why would I not do that? Well, the main reason I would not do that is because of fear. I'm afraid that I might do that and then nothing happens. That's what the devil's telling you, right? If you, you, yeah, you could go lay hands on them and what if nothing happens? Then you're going to look really stupid. Right? Am I the only one that's ever heard that? No? Let me ask you this. If you did go lay hands on somebody and they did immediately get healed and recovered, would you take the glory for that healing? No. So then why would you want to take on the embarrassment if it didn't happen? It's not your power. It's his power. You're just borrowing it. You're just using it. Right? So we're expected to do those works as believers. And right here in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 13 with me. The, the chief priests, the, the religious leaders had got all over the, the disciples about preaching about Jesus and stuff, and they're trying to shut them down. But in Acts 4 verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. See, the, by the high priest standards, by the Jewish people's standards, by the Sanhedrin's standards, these men weren't highly educated. They didn't go to the Harvard of the day, right? But it says they did know one thing. They saw their boldness, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. If you're going to be an effective personal representative for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to spend time with him. And when you spend time with him, it will be recognizable to those around you you will automatically be evidence because it's impossible to spend time. Uh, I th- pastor Randy, my pastor, says it this way. He says, if you go into a, um, what are those things, worth, uh, greenhouse. If you go into a greenhouse filled with roses, you're going to come out of that greenhouse smelling like roses. If you go into a barn filled with manure, <laughs> you're going to come out of the barn smelling like manure, right? And so it's impossible not to have a little bit of what you're around on you, right? And so if you'll spend time with Jesus, the light that's on Jesus will get on you. If you'll spend time with Jesus, the love that's in Jesus will get into you. If you'll spend time with Jesus, the, the, that excitement will get in you. That, that yearning desire to tell somebody to be that person representative will get in you, right? And you'll have to be the evidence. You won't be able to keep it to yourself. Amen? Be the evidence. Be the evidence. Praise God. I love that. That's one of my favorite verses, too. That I say that about a lot of verses. 
But I really do have a lot of favorite verses. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I wonder, would you?